Hello and welcome back to the Highly Strange Podcast with Lewis and Sarah. Hello. We're back. Did you miss us? <laughs> you all did. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, sorry we were slightly late for Christmas and New Year. Yeah, a little bit. Sorry that uh, you never got those Christmas episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tiny little case of pneumonia, but I'm okay now. <laughs> Just a small case. <laughs> Just a small case. I was only in hospital for a short amount of time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but today we've got a bit of a different one. We're starting the new year. Happy New Year. Happy We're new starting year. the new year with a weird one. We know you all like the paranormal stuff, so we're ignoring that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't know. Do you know what this is? I told you briefly, didn't I? Yeah. I can't remember, like, logistics. I'm not sure. Also, it's Sunday the 22nd of January, so happy Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year. Yeah? I told Sarah not to do the accent. <laughs> I wasn't going to do yeah. the She was like, please let me do the accent. I was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's how that conversation went down. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we start? Let's do it. Nowadays, we all know the classic dystopian stories. 1984, A Clockwork Orange, The Handmaid's Tale. The list goes on. It could be argued, though, perhaps, that our current society seems to be shifting ever so closer to dystopian fiction than we would like to believe. Yes. (laughs) I don't think living in Tory Britain, it's up for debate. (laughs) Happy but New Year. <laughs> it's far too early in our first episode of 2023 to go into politics. Fair. I would argue, though, that one of the earliest reflections of this move to society's miserable end is the introduction of reality TV. Here in the UK, and I also believe in the US, the show Big Brother, named <laughs> aptly after the oppressive regime from 1984, <laughs> took the nation by storm in the year 2000 when TV producers locked quote-unquote normal members of society into a house, metaphorically, and in some cases literally poked them with a stick and broadcast it live for us to see. Did you used to watch it? I did when it first came out, to be fair. Yeah, I think I might have watched maybe like two, three series. Yeah, and then it just got a bit like old, so the producers were going further and further into making it exciting. The only one I really remember is when Pete and Nicky were in it. Yeah. Because he had Tourette's, didn't he? I don't remember any of the ones. So now, imagine a world in which watching people suffer for entertainment is widely accepted. Squid Game. It sounds horrible, don't it? Guess what? You live in it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Whilst here in the West we have shows like Big Brother to gawk at those we often deem lesser than, on the other side of the globe, one particular country is quite well known for its brand of television entertainment. Japan, in the 90s, was almost revolutionary in its television industry. I'm sure you can all think of crazy Japanese TV game shows. We see them all the time. You never know their names or the impact they have on society, but you'll see a TikTok video of a young woman eating a live squid and say, oh, that's weird, classic (laughs) Japan. (laughs) So my my favourite Japanese game show is... Obviously, Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, I used to like Takeshi's Castle. I have great memories of watching that with my dad when I was younger, laughing at the contestants hurting themselves in a competition that was widely unfair the best and unwinnable. Bit was like what they do to start the competition. Like, you know how they'd be like, yeah, and, and they'd then, have so much enthusiasm and then they'd like run straight off a cliff. <laughs> and you'd have no idea what the context of the game show is because all you'd have is the narration by Craig Charles that when yeah. you look back at it now was vaguely racist. <laughs> if you if you watch it now, like they, he says some stuff that you wouldn't be able to say now. 
But yeah, in fact, shows like Takeshi's Castle was actually more popular internationally than it was domestically, mostly due to the novelty factor and how foreign the concept was to the Western world. Japan actually invented the physical challenge show, with Western shows that followed showing clear influences, such as American Ninja Warrior, for example. It's clearly a westernised, read, safer version. ABC released a show called I Survived a Japanese Game Show, <laughs> and even The Simpsons riffed on the topic when Homer and the family go on a Japanese game show to win plane tickets back to America. All I remember from that episode is knife goes in, guts come out. <laughs> Mr. Sparkle. <laughs> I had a T-shirt with Mr. Sparkle. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but if you remember from that episode, they had to undergo torture on camera and then receive their ticket home from a yeah, volcano. Yeah, and they think they're like above lava, but they're actually above like orange aid or something. Yeah, they? something yeah. like that. In 1998, however, the reality TV scene in Japan preemptively beat the West's Big Brother and stepped over the line from weird live squid eating and football cannons to the cruel, evil, and highly strange. <laughs> so I'm going to give a preemptive warning to the listeners. If you've missed us or are new to the podcast, you may know that sometimes I might struggle with some languages <laughs> that are not English, and this episode will contain some Japanese. So we're going to fight through this together. <laughs> we're going to struggle You're through this. You're on your this. own, mate. <laughs> Susunu Denpa Shonen was the jewel in the crown of Japan's reality TV industry. The show ran from 1998 to 2002, with each season being a different challenge. I will go into the rest of the challenges later, but this one particular challenge that we'll be talking about today roughly translates to prize contest life, or as I've seen anglicised as a life of prizes. A life of prizes began with the producers of Susunu Denpa Shonen gathering a large roster of local amateur comedians desperate for their break into the mainstream. Instead of auditioning, the production team asked the comedians to cast multiple times for them until they made their selection. A tall Fukushima-born comedian named Tomoaki Hamatsu. When he was told he had won the casting, the producers immediately blindfolded Hamatsu and placed him inside of a car. When he was eventually told to take it off, he found himself in a small, barren apartment room. It was then that the producers told him to take off his clothes, all of his clothes, and hand them over. Now entirely naked, he is finally told what he signed up for. This is how all good stories start. <laughs> yes, strip, kidnapped, <laughs> stripped naked and placed in a room. <laughs> the producer asked him, Can people live in Japan by only winning prizes? He laughed and left the room. This would be Hamatsu's last meaningful encounter with another human being for the next 15 months. Wow. So he's completely isolated? It, completely isolated okay. in a room alone, yes. So it's a lot to take in. I'll, I'll set the scene. So I've got a complete inventory, sorry, I've got a complete inventory of his apartment that okay. he began with. He has a shower, a radio a telephone, a gas burner, a sink, a large rack of magazines, a giant stack of postcards, a small table and a small single cushion. The apartment So no bed? No bed. No bed, wow. The apartment walls were wired with cameras and Hamatsu had a microphone placed around his neck. The premise is simple. 
He had to win everything he needed in magazine prize contests, and he would be released after he won a million yen, equivalent of the time around 10,000 US dollars worth of prizes. So Hamatsu could only survive on things he could win in these competitions. He had to win his food to eat and the utensils to prepare it. He would also need to win clothes to wear. And were these like genuine competitions or were they set up by the company? Yeah, you don't get it as much nowadays because magazines are a bit defunct. But back, I don't know if you used to get magazines back in the day, they were filled with competition entries and you'd send them in and you get something. Yeah, so they're genuine. Genuine competitions, yeah. um, Countrywide. Yes. Competitions. Yeah. Whilst doing this, he was being recorded the entire time. But here's the kicker. He had no idea he was being broadcast on TV every week. As far as Hamatsu was aware, they were recording him so his experiment could be edited together into a show after its conclusion. What they didn't tell him is that they would be broadcasting every week edited with silly sound effects and captions, mocking and laughing at him as he wept and screamed. And soon, it would be the first show to live stream on the internet 24 hours a day. As you would expect from the world's first internet live stream, there was a few initial issues. Firstly, Hamatsu was entirely naked. Therefore, the production team hired staff whose sole job was to follow his movements using a joystick around the flat with a digital eggplant to cover his genitals. <laughs> oh, is that how we? Is that how the eggplant emoji became a thing? This, yes, I was actually <laughs> going to go into this. This is actually the first widespread usage of the emoji eggplant to refer to a penis. Nice. So this is actually where that comes from. I'm glad I know that. You, <laughs> look, look, get your laughs in now because this story does get quite sad. Great. <laughs> the word eggplant in Japanese is nasubi. And in an apparent reference to the shape of his face also resembling that of an eggplant, Hamatsu and the show thereafter would simply be referred to as Nasubi. Oh. So quite insultingly, they said his face was the shape of an eggplant. I'm going to post lots of pictures on um, Instagram, Highly Strange Pods, so you can decide for yourself whether he has an eggplant slash penis-shaped face. <laughs> I'm also for... Quite like the word Nasubi. I'm going to refer to him as Nasubi from now on. Don't look at my Nasubi. (laughs) (laughs) The weekly episode of Nasubi would run on Denpa Shonen for only around 8 to 10 minutes and would be a brief recap of the main events of his life over the past seven days. His life consisting of writing into over 1,400 magazine competitions in an attempt to survive. Every show shows Nasubi waking up, telling the camera what day it is, writing sweepstakes letters, then receiving a series of delivered prize winnings which range from life-saving to worthless. The series immediately starts with tragedy, when the first episode shows him answer the door for a ramen delivery sent to the wrong address. A taunting moment for someone who ostensibly has no food for the first two weeks. Two weeks? It takes him two weeks to win his first food. And they genuinely didn't feed him anything for two whole weeks? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. This was only the start of Nasubi's torture. Within days, completely naked, devoid of human contact, Hamatsu started starving and losing weight. Eventually, after a while, he won his first prize, a pack of fibre jellies, but of course he had no way to prepare it. 
Soon after, though. So, sorry, that so. would be like when we buy like cubes of jelly. Yeah, I imagine it's some sort of add hot water. Yeah, some sort of nutrient fiber for people that like lacking in fiber, mm-hmm. so that sort of thing. But he didn't have a saucepan or anything to cook it, so it's useless. What a weird prize, like who's yeah, applying for that competition? I know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a lot of that. Soon after, he won a five-kilogram bag of rice, but again, he had no to way to easily with, yeah. cook the rice. And for a period of time, he was literally eating it raw. Oh. Soon, he came up with a way of boiling the rice in the foil packets that the jelly came in. Oh, clever. So, yeah, so he was quite an inge- ingenious in this sort of Especially way. Especially in the moment where you're like starving, sleep yeah. deprived, to actually come up with like a clever idea. Like so he had, the, he had the gas burner and he'd empty the jelly out, put the rice in and put a bit of water and sort of balance it on the gas burner. So it, it came like a pulp, basically. Yeah. It wasn't good, but... Better than eating it raw, yeah. But what makes this moment in the series incredibly sad is the way that he dances around with a bag of rice, crying tears of literal joy. Now he has a solid source of food for the time being. There's lots of clips in that. It's quite sad. He was always happy to receive rice. After all, it was one of the only prizes that he won that actually helped him survive his servitude. However, for the purpose of the show, this wasn't particularly interesting. They were far more entertained when he received a bicycle, which initially depressed Nasubu, a reminder of freedom that he couldn't use. What use is this bicycle for him when he has no clothes and the show may not even allow him to leave his apartment? He cycles the pedals a few times, then puts it in the corner of his room, where it would stay for the foreseeable future. Whilst the bike was no good to him at the moment, it did, however, increase the value of his winnings and thus did get him closer to escape. Now, though, it seemed that Nasubi's fortunes were changing. He started to gather more and more winnings. He won more food, spaghetti, and was able to upgrade his cooking operation so he could cook his rice easier. He won a tin can and, like, a set of biro pens. So he would, like, put the biro through the tin can and hold it over the flame so he could sort of boil his rice in a tin can. Can I ask, is this, like, in a studio or is he, like, in a little flat? He's in a little flat. So he's got, like, windows and stuff? There's no windows in it. No windows. No. Wow. His next prize, however, was not as useful. He won his first and only item of clothing during the entire ordeal. Was it, like, a pair of socks? No, not quite. He won a pair of used women's panties from someone named Hitomi-chan. Unfortunately for Nasubi, they were far too small for him to even try to have a little dignity in front of the cameras. So what amazed me was that the used panty scene was still going and was going in the 90s. I thought that was like a much more recent thing in Japan. Oh, men have always been sick. No, that, that's not new. And you'd enter a comp- <laughs> you'd enter like a magazine competition for used knickers. Yeah, it's weird, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're around two months in, and Asubi has still had no contact with the outside world, except for short and wordless interactions with the production team delivering his winnings. It was around then that Nasubi wins a stuffed seal that he names Binasu. In the footage, it's incredibly sad as he takes this stuffed toy around his apartment for walks and plays with it as it's now his only source of companionship. So if you've seen Castaway with Tom Hanks like and Wilson, Wilson yeah. it's exactly the same thing. His next prize would be his first source of protein in over two months. He won five vacuum-sealed steaks, which he proceeded to cook over his gas burner with a ballpoint pen. 
as you may expect, he had gone over two months off of nothing but rice and spaghetti. Nasubi was starting to become incredibly thin and feeble, and his hair was now growing wildly. So yeah, I'm going to post a picture of what he looks like at the start, and then at the end, it is frightening. The cruel prizes continue. He went on to win a PlayStation game and controller, but he obviously had no console or TV to play it on. His only source of entertainment continues to be filling out prize forms or talking to Binasu. Things got worse for Nasubi as after three months his bag of rice had finally run out. He had no choice but to eat packets of wet dog food he had won previously. Tragically, Nasubi was no longer able to win rice for the next three months and therefore his primary diet going on would be various dried pet foods. Fast forwards, and Nasubi has been in the same room entering magazine sweepstakes for six months, and he has finally hit the halfway point to his goal, a million yen worth of prizes. Nasubi at this point had submitted 38,000 entries. Wow. So it's literally, taken, well, <laughs> it's literally taken him half a year, and he's only halfway through to his goal. And that's not a high success rate to have no. applied for that many. no. Yeah. So I'm putting on my conspiracy hat. A lot of others have at this point that said that it's strange that during this entire time he wasn't able to win much rice or proper foods. So the idea is that people say that the production team actually interfered and took a lot of the food away and just didn't tell him just for the entertainment value of him only eating dog food and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah's face is looking looking quite upset. Yeah. It's not very nice. No. Six months into the game show and its popularity in Japan is unmatched. Sasunu Denpa Shonen averaged an unbelievable 17 million viewers every Sunday evening when it would broadcast its Nasubi updates. Why do people enjoy shit like this? I know. To put that into context, the most popular episode of Game of Thrones had a viewership of 16.5 million viewers. So it beat Game of Thrones, yeah. It beat Game of Thrones. Wow. This popularity created some issues for the production team. And sorry, what time is this? This was in 1998, on a Sunday evening. Most households did have a TV at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the production team had a few issues with the fame that Nasubi was now reaching. As Nasubi went slowly insane, millions cheered at home. In fact, Nasubi was so popular, fans worked out the location of the apartment and started gathering around it. Food delivery people turned up with meals he could smell but was never allowed to eat. Scared Hamatsu would hear, producers blindfolded him and moved him to a different location, and then another. Video footage of these small periods with other people moving him shows a man delirious and unable to interact with others. So they actually moved him five hours away to the other side of Japan. (laughs) You know. What actually happened was the producers came into his room in the dead of night, pitch black with torches, and woke up a scared and confused Nasubi, who had not seen another human being for half a year. Nasubi would have his blindfold removed and find himself in an identical room with all his winnings around him and would have to continue to win. During this time, a doctor assessed Nasubi to check his health, well, his physical health. Physically, he was okay, slightly malnourished, but nothing too dangerous. But there was absolutely no consideration for his mental health that was now visibly damaged. 
Viewers would laugh as Nasubi became obviously stranger, talking more and more with his stuffed toy companion and generally acting weird around the apartment. In his new location, he wins a new desk and chair set and a TV. A huge win. He also showed his nails, which had grown to the point where he struggled to operate a Walkman that, he, that arrived, minus the CDs, of course. <sighs> Unfortunately, the TV had no satellite signal, so it was, was unusable as well. Oh. After two weeks without a single win, the production company once again moved him to try to help him to win more prizes. He won a VHS player, toilet roll and some crisps. But this location gave him the best prize to date, a brand new PlayStation, which he could finally use for this TV and the game he won eight months prior. Nasubi spent the next four days straight playing on his new PlayStation. <laughs> so, fun fact... This makes Nasubi the world's very first video game live streamer <laughs> as it was being shown on the internet. He started Twitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's mad. He actually played so much that he banned himself as he realised it was distracting him from his goal, making competition entries and earning his way to freedom. So he was playing it so much, he was like, look, I have to stop because yeah, I'm not I'm actually going to get out of this place. Yeah. yeah. And he was very close now winning a set of four ties, pushing him within touching distance of his goal. The last prize he won was, ironically, a bag of rice, Aww. pushing him over one million yen and his freedom. Yet, Nasubi had no way of knowing whether he'd earned enough. At this point, he'd been effectively imprisoned for 335 days. For just under a year. Mm. So how did the producers let him know that he'd won? Did they? They break into his room like a group of burglars in the dead of night and set off party poppers into the visibly terrified Nasubi's face as he slept. It's actually really horrible because they're popping him and they're like going off and he's like recoiling, like crawling away from them. You know, it's, it's fucked. He was obviously elated. He'd finally won his freedom. The producers had also told he'd won another prize, an all-expenses paid trip to South Korea. They handed him his clothes, and for the first time in 335 days, he wore clothes again. As a side note, as an effect of not wearing them for so long, he actually said they felt itchy and uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> mm. Nasubi had a wonderful time in Korea. They took him to an amusement park. He ate loads of great food. He thought, this is it. He won his ticket to fame and fortune. All he had to do was put on another blindfold. When he removed the blindfolds, oh, no. he was in another room. No! Identical to those before, the producer told him to once again strip. He asked Nasubi the question, can people live in Korea by only oh, winning fuck's prizes? Sake. <laughs> it's fucked. <laughs> Realising that Nasubi was making them far too much money, the producers trapped Nasubi in Korea in another room to make him win his way back to Tokyo. Oh, the gold so is sorry, he had two weeks of freedom. Did you say he, No, I don't even know how long he was out. I think it was only a few days. <sighs> the goal this time wasn't a million yen, but enough to win a plane ticket back to Japan. That is the Simpsons episode, isn't it? Yes. That's yeah. what, yes. Plane tickets back to America, isn't it? This time it was slightly more difficult though, as all the sweepstakes he had to enter were in Korean a language Nasubi couldn't speak. Oh, God. So he had to use a Korean to Japanese translator. So he had to do all what he was doing before, but translate it through a book as well. 
<laughs> so half the time he probably didn't even know what the prize was. No. So a bit of a side note, the producers did ask Nasubi if he wanted to do it and he did say yes. I guess you could debate why he actually agreed to do it. But... Yeah, and at that point, like, legally, you're not at capacity to make that decision. No, no, like, you could argue he wasn't. work now. Yeah. I mean, he'd done it, it's all he'd known for the last year. I mean, and he thought, they promised him he'd be a famous comedian at the end of this. And he thought, what's doing it again for, like, his gold, you know? But... Nasubi was a professional at this point and he managed to earn enough for his flight back in only two months. This left the producers very unhappy. (laughs) So the producers moved the goalposts. Not satisfied with him earning enough for an economy class ticket, he had to earn an additional 9,000 yen to upgrade to business class. But they never even told Nasubi, so he's just earning and earning and no one told him they'd increased the goal. So he just let him go on and on, not knowing he'd actually won and kept going and just increased so it. do they, when he's given like a physical prize, yeah. do they just work out They work out how that, much that's worth, yeah. Right, and then total that up, okay. Yeah. Nasubi won that extra money easily with some apparently rare tea leaves. So once again, the producers increased the goal. First class now? Now business class wasn't good enough. Now it's first class. Mm. Nasubi flew through the last of the budget, one of the highlights being the winning of a live octopus, which is apparently a thing you can win in Korea during the 90s. They delivered that to him. I I don't know what happened with the live octopus. I don't know. That's quite famous in Korea, eating eating live octopuses, octopi. It's over. Nasubi gets his flight home to Japan. But the story wouldn't be complete without one final act of cruelty towards Nasubi. The producers once again blindfold him and leave him in yet another identical room. Before even being prompted, like Pavlovian conditioning, Nasubi sits down and strips his clothes off. Mm. It's at this point that the walls break away, revealing a live studio audience in front of him, (gasps) laughing and pointing at him. Confused and scared as streamers explode around him, Nasubi scrambles to the back of the stage as the audience cheers and jeers on. I will post a link to this, but it's absolutely horrific because he's like scrambling away. There's streamers going off, lights on him. Everyone's pointing, laughing, cheering, you know, and he's and he totally naked. he hasn't seen human beings no. for God knows how long. And then no. he's suddenly in a room with like a huge crowd. God. Millions of people tuned in across the country, as well as thousands in studio, to watch this final sick joke on Tomoaki Hamatsu a man that lived naked and alone for 15 months on a promise to reach his dreams. After the experience was over, Hamatsu reported that he was physically uncomfortable wearing clothes for the next six months, as well as it all having an impact on his social skills. His dreams of becoming a comedian were never truly reached, as now he was shy, introverted and hated being around large groups of people. Hamatsu sold his diary that he wrote during the experience, which became a bestseller, but he never reached the heights of fame he was promised. The producer of A Life of Prizes went on record to say he doesn't regret anything that happened. He said his goal was to make miracles on film, and with Nasubi, he accomplished that goal. He did apologise to Hamatsu, but in my mind, he still made millions on the back of the suffering of a man over the course of 15 months. Yeah, he should be in prison. That Honestly, producer. yeah. 
there was I've, they're like full-on torture techniques aren't they essentially like, yeah like when they would come in in the middle of the night with party yeah, poppers yeah. that's only designed to scare him and that only made more entertainment for the well, viewers and even at home going without food and yeah at no bed is like pretty much sleep deprivation they're all torture techniques i don't obviously being reality tv we only know what we saw in the edited things so we don't actually know if they did give him a small amount of food to survive maybe like i'm a celebrity they give him a little bit just to survive but even still you can see the physical change in him he is starving still sensu denpa shonen went on for another four years but never reached its heights it reached with nasubu over its four seasons, there were another 20 different challenges. Nasubi was just one. There were a few other, let me say controversial ones. Firstly, there was Denpa Shonen Teki Mujintu Dashutsu, or Denpa Shonen Desert Island Escape. Oh, God. In this one... They t- literally made Castaway. <laughs> mm. In this one... Two comedians were put on a desert island with no food nor clue about where they were and were only told that their ordeal would finish if they built a raft and reached Tokyo. After their escape from the desert island, which took them four months, they were given a swan-shaped pedalo and were told to reach Tokyo with it. And similarly to Nasubi, they then moved the goalposts and had to go with the same pedalo from India to Indonesia. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on a pedalo on a pet swan shaped pedalo <laughs> this should be one that we should have a video podcast for this <laughs> you two's face have just been like next there was Denpa Shonen Teki Africa Europe Taruku Odan Hitchhike No Tabby or Denpa Shonen's Vertical Africa Europe Continental Hitchhike God. A comedian named Takashi Ito and a radio DJ from Hong Kong named Si Shu Yan hitchhiked from the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa to Nordcap in Norway. The two contestants were forbidden to use their travel money and thus faced starvation, dehydration and harsh weather conditions. At one point in the challenge, Ito collapsed in the Sahara Desert and was airlifted to a local hospital for treatment. I don't know. I don't have words. I don't understand why people want to watch it. I don't understand why it's being made. I just as like a primal thing, though. I don't know if you would watch it. Would you? No. I, I don't know. I think it's easier to say no. But I mean, back at the time, no, there was no moral <laughs> foundry on this, was there? There was no moral basis to say this is wrong because they'd never seen anything like this on TV before. I feel like there's still common sense, though, to go, that man is being, like, (laughs) severely coerced into doing something that no human being should do. Well, good news. Denpa Shonen also went international. (laughs) One of the international challenges was to ask a contestant to sing the song Ladybug Samba to Yasser Arafat of the Palestinian Liberation Organisation. Another challenge... Also show, challenged contestants to try to shave the beard of Fidel Castro, oh although God. that was unsuccessful. <laughs> so, then Pashon and like, their ratings dropped off by 2002, then they stopped, because I'm guessing people realised this is fucked and wouldn't watch it. And that concludes my very paranormal dive into the world of Japanese game shows. 
I thought when you said I'm going to do Japanese game shows, I thought you'd do one of the like silly ones where they're just beating each other up on the telly. I think it was going to be this horrific. That's what your perception of Japanese TV shows is after how it started. Yeah. Literal torture of a man. I mean, he's fine now. He does like speaking tours and stuff about his experiences and that. He says he doesn't regret it. Wow. Even though it has literally changed his personality from being an outgoing comedian to rather being on his own. I mean, like, psychologically not regretting it is probably just to, like, protect your brain yeah. sort of thing. I mean, 15 months locked in a room. It's like when he was in Korea, they said it only took him two months. That's two months of your life locked alone yeah. in a room. I just think, like, when we were in lockdown... You'd like go stir crazy just not going outside for like five days. You would be like, I need to just go to Tesco just to get out of my house. It's interesting you mentioned lockdown, actually, because he became Japan's sort of forefront advocate for the lockdown, for staying in, saying if I could do what I did, you can stay locked in your house to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Well, I mean, it's got a point. (laughs) So he did. He did. They had him saying you should stay locked down. Thanks. I know, I know it's not paranormal, but I mean, you know, I like finding these weird stories. Me and Kate was watching a YouTube video about it and we just looked at each and I said, this will make a good thing for the podcast. <laughs> and there we go. Here we are after this horrible story. I've listened, there's only two or three other podcasts about this. And all the other ones, they were laughing at him and everything. I thought, it's really bad taste. They just sort of totally disregarded how horrible it was and said, oh, it was funny because they had to cover his dick. I mean, no. That was the least of his worries. Yeah. Poor Blake. I know. Horrific. I do. Honestly, I get amazed that even now, like, they're not held accountable for things like that. I know. like, 20 years later. They literally got away with it. They said they made art and that was it. He apologised to him and that was it, like it never happened. Uh, you wouldn't be able to do that now, I don't think. Now, even Love Island has like a Ooh. mental health team. Well, you need it, don't you, for that? <laughs> Christ. Um, yeah, thanks. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll never look at an eggplant the same way. No. <laughs> <laughs> God. Who are you uh, recommending that to? I don't even know. <laughs> Any vegetarian? Craig Charles. He would have gave Charles, some horrible yeah. racist commentary over it, I'm sure. Let's, yeah. Any civil right activist yes. recommended to them. <laughs> Anyone that's like really into the Japanese culture and they defend it with their lives. <laughs> you know the sort of people. Might have unlisted there like it. Some weebs. This is the country you love. That's the entertainment they produce. Oh, I mean, that makes Takeshi's Castle look like, I don't know, like a breeze in the park. I still, I still love Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ignore Craig Charles' racism. It is good. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, well uh, if you've ever been on a Japanese game show, why don't you uh, write We are getting into... no emails this week. <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Um, find us on Instagram, Highly Strange Pod, Facebook, same. Um, I'll be posting pictures and stuff. Um, on our socials, I'll post some links to some of the clips because I've got some of the eight to ten minute episodes that they aired. Perfect. 
if uh, you can give us a like or a review that's very much appreciated as well thank you for coming back and listening to us after our extended break we will see you next week we'll see you next week Bye. bye bye